Thanks to ZipRecruiter, the presenting sponsor of Recode Media and the smartest way to hire. Staffing tech companies is tricky. From high turnover to rapidly changing skill sets, you really got to stay on your toes. ZipRecruiter knows this because they are a tech company too. So it's no surprise they've built a product that uses powerful machine learning algorithms that make finding qualified candidates simple, efficient, and intuitive. If you're hiring, it's time to get smart. Try ZipRecruiter for free right now at ziprecruiter.com slash Peter. That's ziprecruiter.com slash Peter. Today's show is brought to you by Airtable, the all-in-one collaboration platform. Content industry is constantly evolving. To keep up, you need a tool that's flexible enough to adapt to your process, but powerful enough to keep everybody on the same page. Airtable has been used by companies like Time Magazine, Group 9 Media, and BuzzFeed Motion Pictures. It lets you manage your entire creative process from ideation to content creation. Airtable empowers you to do your work your way. You can try it today. Just head to Airtable.com slash Recode Media to receive $50 in free credits. This is Recode Media with Peter Kafka. That is me. I am part of the Vox Media Podcast Network here in Vox Media Headquarters in New York City. If you like this show, even if you don't like this show, <laughs> please tell someone else about this show. Better if you like it, though. Really great if you go to Apple Podcast, rate and review it. It's super easy to do. You just hit a button. You're done. Okay, that's my ask. Thank you. Hello, Manoush. Hello, Peter. Nice to see you again. Nice to see you again. I saw you most recently in Palo Alto. Yeah. A fancy hotel. Uh-huh. A fancy media conference. Yeah, with Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. He was <laughs> we were we were eating a cookie outside and then we came in and he was there. And he was in it the was flesh. Like out of thin air. It was startling. It, that is the right I was gonna say horrifying, but you're right. Startling, yeah. I think, is He's a, a human little more being. diplomatic. He's a human being. It was startling to see him in the flesh. Sort of. Let's just talk about talking to Mark Zuckerberg for a second before we talk about you. Yeah. So we talked to Mark Zuckerberg at this fancy media conference for yeah. an hour. Do we get when an you hour say with conference, him? it makes it sound like there were like thousands of people there, and there, there were, were only just a couple dozen of very of fancy us, people like us. us. Yeah. yeah, I am. To be clear, I am not fancy. I was a tack on. I think I was there to represent podcasts at the table. We in were, addition to you, we but were at the Rosewood. It was nice. It's as fancy as it gets. <laughs> did you stay? Fun, at, did you stay at the Rosewood? I did. <laughs> did All you? Right, so, so startup place going good? No, you no, didn't. No, it's outrageously expensive. F it. I'm just going to stay here. God bless you. Yeah, it was nice. You know what they do at night? The um, Burn money and laugh at the In addition people. to that, they yeah. wrap your cords in Velcro for you. <laughs> that was new for me. I'd never experienced that. I came back and all my cords were beautifully like Velcroed. So, you know, you get your money's worth is what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. I don't even know what wrap cords means. That's, wow. That's how non-fancy right, There's a level up I can go. Mm-hmm. Um what did you take away from talking to Mark Zuckerberg for an hour or watching him talk for an hour? This is I, before we talk about your podcast yeah, and what you're yeah. doing and all that stuff. Well, I got to say, I went as a person. I think I was one of the few people in the room who did not file after that. Um, you and, and Ben Smith at BuzzFeed and Adrian LaFrance at um, The Atlantic all wrote really great pieces after that. We were all slumming. We were like, oh, we have to be reporters again. I know. You all look kind of yeah, bummed that yeah. you had to put down your cookies. Um so what I really enjoyed watching was uh, 
you guys listening to him and your I could hear your brains whirring around me and then what you guys pumped out after. So my impression You like watching the sausage made. Oh, I love watching the sausage getting made. It was like delightful for me. Um as a as a podcaster, I was sort of watching for me it was like a chance to have some body language and some yeah. sort of context. He seemed supremely uncomfortable. Not that I've ever expected him to be yeah. comfortable. Um, but what also pained me was just the way he would not engage with people in a real conversation. It was, everything was so smooth. And at this time, we do not think that that's an option for us. Yeah. It was so, um, I did not feel as though that was the person who was going to lead us into a new age uh, of of information. So the setup is we're at this this fancy I keep calling it a fancy media conference that Jessica Lesson and Ben Smith and Kevin yeah. Delaney, but really Jessica Lesson, if, if you're <laughs> yes. listening, Jessica she organized. Um, and most of it's off the record, but then Mark Zuckerberg comes in and talks to thirty of us, and yeah. people like you and me, and people from the New York Times, et cetera. We do an on the record interview with Mark Zuckerberg. This is in the middle of Cambridge Analytica, I guess. Yeah. Constantly in the middle of Cambridge Analytica. Um, so it's a 30-person press conference, basically. So you wouldn't expect him to be relaxed. No, right? no. He's a public but, company CEO. He wouldn't be chill. No, but it was, an oppor- it was a missed opportunity, I felt, to truly engage with us as a human being. Yeah. And seriously, like, uh, let's be frank. Journalists like to be uh, charmed a little bit. And there was... No charm. But, you know, there. if it had been Sheryl Sandberg, who's a professionally charming person, yeah, and she she would be much smoother, and she might make a little joke, and she would have some anecdotes. Um, but she also wouldn't give you any information. There's a different—I mean, to me, the big takeaway for me was I don't think that's the real Mark Zuckerberg, but I think it's fairly close to it. Oh, yes, definitely. Um, and that I was agree. my big takeaway was he didn't—he he said almost nothing that was sort of news. So there yep. were a couple sort of non-responses that kind of qualified as yep. news. Um, but, you know, throughout, he talked for an hour, and if you'd seen him speak in the past, like at, at the D conference where yeah. he melted down on stage, you know, he has gotten— That's he a has, long time ago, He has though, clearly yeah. worked a lot to for interact sure. with human beings and— put out full sentences and in and, and the way that you would train yourself to speak in public if you were a public company CEO and that didn't come naturally to you and right. it's clearly put a lot of work into that. Um, but the, my big takeaway was, oh, he, he really is a an odd person. <laughs> um, and I don't mean that pejoratively. I just mean he's an odd person. He's, yes. a, he's a weird sort of spectrum-y coder programming guy who thinks of yes. things in exceptionally rational ways. Um, so rational that they don't make any sense to regular human beings. Um, And that all of the weirdness I associate with Facebook, and this is a thing that you always think about when you're writing about companies but don't fully process, that comes because Mark Zuckerberg runs the company and it's a a reflection of him. And the way his brain works. And the way his brain works. And so the people in the organization either think like him or train themselves to think right. like him. And so when you interact with Facebook as a reporter or even, as again, as a human being, and you have a very frustrating experience, you want to get an answer to something, yeah. you want to solve something, why is my Facebook not working, and you get this frustrating non-response, yes, it's partly because there's a 20,000-person company and it's huge and powerful, et cetera, but it's also because Mark Zuckerberg runs it. And that right. was my big sort of penny drop. Oh, and that was what was so interesting to see you guys try to engage him. And, you know, I, I sort of 
was watching as a spectator. Um, you try to engage him on a human point, and it wasn't even that he wouldn't engage. He was dismissive. Um, and, and that's what I found. It's not that he wouldn't engage. It's that he cannot engage on something like that. And so my theory had always been like, this was a person who maybe didn't understand why humans behave the way that they did. And so he tried to turn that behavior into ones and zeros and algorithms so that it made sense. And I was like, Confirmed. Theory confirmed. Like listening to him <laughs> explain why they were using polls to figure out which publications were trustworthy or not. Yes. Right? So here's the thing. <laughs> yes. You, it actually is a very complicated problem, right? You have 2 billion users and X number of publications, and how are you going to figure out which ones these people agree with and these people don't and these ones trust? And actually you can't just go around and just sort of make up your own personal list. Um, so you do need to sort of solve this with some sort of Maybe there's a poll and maybe there's software involved. And, and there is a sort of a logic problem to yeah. solve. On the other hand, you could also go, well, look, we clearly the New York Times is okay, right? And, but he wouldn't even go there. Yeah, he like wouldn't every, even go there. Everything sort of had to be fed into the, the grinder yeah. and spit Processed. out. Processed. All right, that's our big takeaway. But it was really fun. By the way, this is something sort of Mark Zuckerberg watching and Facebook watching is kind of a professional thing for you, right? Oh, yeah, That's for sure. This was the like, last couple years of I was your so, like, dorky excited that he was coming to talk to us. Yeah. Um, super nerd, nerding out excited. Speaking of dorky excited, we're mm. eight minutes into this podcast. And have we've, all we've done is talk about something. Have, have I said your name yet? I don't know. Manish Samarodi? Did I get it right? <laughs> yeah, you did. Oh, yay, me. <laughs> um, former host of Note to Self. Yeah. Big hit podcast at WNYC uh-huh. um, at this fancy media conference. I said, how's it going? He said, it's going great. I'm quitting. <laughs> I okay. did. I laid it out. I'm starting my own media company. I said, that sounds great. And you said, yeah, I'm going to do it on the blockchain. I went, ooh. Yeah. Everyone at that table went, ooh. Yeah. Okay. And then they sort of were like, wait, can you just explain it? All right. So you've got, So you're producing a podcast. It's called Zigzag. Yeah. What percent of people make stoner jokes when you tell them it's called zigzag? <laughs> Only one Just so me? far. Okay. You're the second, which actually means I think I understand you a little bit better now. That's really funny. Someone in Colorado was like, I didn't even make the connection. I'm not even a, really a that's stoner. how old I am. All right, yeah, that's how old I am. Zigzag, so this is a podcast about launching your own media company and podcast. Correct. But with a twist. Of course there's gotta be a twist. Yeah, there has to be. Two women. Uh, which changes things. Cause Badass woman-owned media company. That's right. And also because we are doing it in partnership with this civil, which I believe you know a little bit about, correct? You talked to them before? I'm making that frowny face. I spent an hour talking to oh, the civil did. guys. It's one of the most frustrating hours I've, I've had I tried to find it before I came here. Oh, no, 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 no. It's not recorded. Oh. I just went to their office and Ew. spent an hour banging my head against the wall. Okay. So yeah. if I've oh, – why, why do I do this? If I can explain it to you oh, yeah, 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 and yeah. you like – if I see the like frowny face sort of like dissolve, I'll know I'll have succeeded. Be great. I'm going to try. That's my that's my new job basically. Yeah. You're gonna, Not for them but for myself. I would have you in here under any circumstance. Well, but you. I would love for you to explain blockchain and crypto yeah. and what this does or doesn't have to do with journalism to the rest of us yeah. media nerds who listen to this podcast. So – I mean, I'll start out with what was really in the first episode of ZigZag, which sort of explained how— You can how go listen to it. There's, what, six go, episodes? There are. That's Free. right. We're halfway through this, this season. Yep. And um, so some people have compared the show to startup. You know, you had the Gimlet guys on yeah. here. And actually, we had them in uh, our last episode, or 
couple episode episodes five, ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, sort of talking about the difference between men and women and vulnerability and this idea that men are brave when they do something financially irresponsible and women are ninnies. Um, in any case, though, what's mainly different is the reason why we decided to leave um, was threefold, really. One was that I had a big tech philanthropist come to me and say, the work that you're doing on Note to Self, why isn't it bigger? I don't understand why it's existing in this small public Baby, radio Baby, I'm going to make you a star. I'm going to lift thing. you out of this public radio ghetto. Yeah, that sort of thing. Although but, you were a giant star already. Well, it's a, you know, we're pretty niche when yeah. it comes to— Oh, well, you're, you're, you're a big fish in a podcast pond. Fair enough. And so—and then the other thing that happened was Cambridge Analytica, um, which was a story I had been on for a long time. And when it finally broke bigger, I was like— oh, okay. I don't know why I needed more confirmation that I was on the right track, but it felt like confirmation. And then the third was that we met, we happened to get matched with these civil folks. And so I went to see Josh Benson. You know Josh Benson? So Capital New York sold to Politico. Now he and his uh, co-founder Tom McGevern and Catherine Lair from Politico over there, they've started their own thing called Old Town Media. And I actually, I think was it? They're media consultants. They're media consultants. And, um, and somebody said, you should go talk to Josh. So I went to talk to Josh. And the more I was telling him about, like, what I th- was thinking I wanted to do, he was like, actually, I'm working on this other project. I'm recruiting for this project called Civil. And what Civil is is essentially a journalism startup. And they are identifying a group of journalists. We're calling them the first fleeters. And we are giving them grants. We're giving them uh, grants in real money. And we're also giving them grants in a virtual currency that does not yet exist, but trust us, it will. Um, and, but it was enough money that Jen— So here's some real money that you can you and, and your producer exactly. partner can actually start exactly. working. Exactly, right. So and there's also going to be some digital stuff, and we'll talk about that. Along the way, yeah. Okay. And was this—you were genuinely excited about the blockchain or someone was offering you a check and there weren't a lot of strings and the check did not bounce? Yeah, it was both. It was definitely both. Um, On the one hand, it was like, oh, okay, we can make this—oh, I should say that the guy who was going to make me a star, the the philanthropist, that fell apart. That Um, was a guy? No, it it was a place. Was it a place run by a guy? One might say. Or a woman? No. You don't identify the person. So it was not it was not Lorene Powell Jobs. No. You don't identify the person. You might want their money someday. It's in that I yeah, I definitely don't want to. Um it's in that sphere though. Mm-hmm. Um so at that point, Jen Poyant, my executive producer at WNYC and I were like, Well, this is enough to like get us started. Let's do it. I mean, it felt a little nuts, but one of the key things that I had felt at Note to Self was that as a journalist, as when you are part of a public radio station, there's only so far you can go in terms of um, switching to finding solutions. I felt like the show, like I was complaining a lot about the tech industry. And at some point, you kind of want to be like, well, can we fix it, please? Can we fix it? And I was tired of waiting for other people to do it. And what these civil folks were saying was that you could be part of an experiment to find a solution to the journalism problem. Okay. This next part is going to involve coffee and, and some brain power. Okay. So let's take a break so Sounds we can good. hear from a sponsor, yep. which brings this podcast to you and me for free. Today's show is brought to you by Zip Recruiter, the presenting sponsor of Recode Media and The Smartest Way to Hire. In the business of tech, it's practically scripture that you have to be comfortable with big, bold, exciting risks. 
But that doesn't mean you shouldn't try to minimize the downside of taking those risks. If you're hiring, you can massively reduce uncertainty with Zip Recruiter. Zip Recruiter's powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes across its network to actively find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. And as applications come in, it analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates to save you time and make sure you never miss a great match. It's so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. That is very fast. If you're hiring, it's time to get smart. Go to ZipRecruiter.com Peter to try ZipRecruiter for free, $0. That is the lowest risk price there is. Don't waste another second. Go to ZipRecruiter.com Peter and start putting the technology to work for you. That's ZipRecruiter.com Peter. Today's show is brought to you by Airtable, the all-in-one collaboration platform. Content industry is constantly evolving. To keep up, you need a tool that's flexible enough to adapt to your process, but powerful enough to keep everybody on the same page. Airtable has been used by companies like Time Magazine, Group 9 Media, and BuzzFeed Motion Pictures. It lets you manage your entire creative process from ideation to content creation. Airtable empowers you to do your work your way. You can try it today. Just head to Airtable.com slash Recode Media to receive $50 in free credits. And we're back at Recode Media with Manoush, who's taking notes about children's literature. <laughs> um, and now we're going to talk about the blockchain. Yeah. That's a hard pivot. <clears throat> um, I'm trying to figure out the best way to frame this. All right. It's tough, so right? So if you've yeah. listened to this podcast, you, you're aware that there's cryptocurrency and there's Bitcoin and maybe some of some more interesting derivatives. You might be extra educated about this and understand that blockchain is the underlying architecture that is supposed to make cool software projects happen and yes. also is related to cryptocurrency. And if you're super, super, super sophisticated, you know that the smart take is, hey, don't get excited about Bitcoin price swings cool part about all this stuff is the blockchain and all the cool shit that it's going to enable. Right. Um, so I've spent a little time trying to figure this out as a layperson. Um, I did a, an interview on stage at the Code Conference with a bunch of blockchain folks. Um, as far as I can tell, in the real world, the way the blockchain might work today is useful for things like actually processing financial transactions. Yes. Right? You can That's exactly make right. things go faster. Yeah. There's a few more semi-real-world examples where you can help track, you know, food poisoning, yes. bad lettuce, and Walmart and Kroger's and different vendors and competitors could all sort of pool their information together. Yeah through this ledger, and then then they could track that stuff. Tracking of goods. And the rest of it all gets very hand-wavy. It's and something, something, identity (laughs) and and trust, and and it gets very vague. And then you end up saying, well, when the Internet showed up in 1993 or 89 or 86, we didn't know what that was going to be either, but it turns out it changed the world. This is going to be the same thing. Have I summed up sort of the state of blockchain? Yeah, I think you've done a very good job, actually. Um, So here's my question to you and to Mm -hmm. the blockchain people and then the civil people in in general, which is how does any of this relate to the challenges um, faced by journalism or by a media startup? What what does this solve for you? Okay, so the issue is with journalism, as you well know, is that most of the advertising revenue – uh, podcasts seem to be a weird sort of outlier with this, but most of the advertising revenue these days, you know, 90% of it goes to Facebook and Google. And that is why we have people like our colleague Jessica Lesson pivoting to subscription models where people pay however many hundreds of dollars a year in order to get the product.
correct, I right? I think one out of every three guests we have on this podcast is are pivoting coming to into publishing? pivoting or they have a, mm. they they started off with a subscription model. They're yeah. talking about paywalls. It's big right now. Yeah. Subscriptions are big. Everyone's going to pay for everything. Yes. Um, so this is sort of a take on that. But the idea with Civil, and I must stress that I have complete editorial control and I do not work for Civil. I do not speak on their behalf. I'm speaking yeah. from the reporting that I've done and the my experience as being part of this first fleet of n- journalists. So the idea being that there will be an ecosystem, the Civil platform, where to the average layperson, you will come there and there'll be all these cool news websites, maybe hundreds, maybe thousands eventually. And there will be a way that you will see that they are verified, that they have um, decided to stick to a code of ethics, and it'll be on WordPress. It'll just look completely normal. And if that's all you want to do when you go to the civil platforms, when you go to these websites, like— I'll go to a website. Yeah. I'll go to—is there a zigzag.com? There's certainly a zigzagpod.com. Mm-hmm. I've been there. Yep. It just looks like a regular website. Looks like a regular website. I don't have to give anyone a Bitcoin. You don't have to do anything. And if that's all you want to do, that's totally fine. But on the back end, there's going to be other things going on. There will be uh, a crypto component. And at first I was like, why do you need the crypto stuff? But This is my hour-long conversation with the civil guy saying, how does the crypto, how does the blockchain— right improve or affect any of this? What does having any of this powered by or incorporated with blockchain or crypto do that I couldn't do with a credit card or any other mechanism that I would already use? So it's so interesting to me. So the episode that I just finished is about this idea of a token curated registry. Now, if your mind just like froze. Just heard all the podcasts turn off. Yeah, no, don't turn off. It is so interesting. It's basically a combination. uh, It's game theory, essentially, saying that like, oh, you don't think that person should be able to publish news? Fine, put your money where your mouth is. But in this case, it's not money. It's a digital currency. It's the civil coin, right? So it basically creates a game where people will be able to vote for who gets to publish their news on the platform. If somebody wants to come in and and it's fake news or whatever we want to call it, they can vote them off the registry. It's sort of creating a list, essentially, of people who have been vetted, who've been verified, who um, are adhering to a, a, a code of ethics, and that is the civil constitution, essentially. And the token component has multiple uses, right? You can micro-tip if you want, not something you can do with subscription models. You're either in or you're out. Um, but also, it gives you a vote. It, it's it. So, yeah. So the the site is free. The, the the publications are free, but they could be a subscription based, right? The, Correct. The, that part doesn't change. Yep. So if I want to participate yep. as a token holder, right? Because yep. I'm buying, I'm basically buying into the civil company, but it's not really a company. It's a nonprofit. Yeah. But there now, I'm actually buying a a cryptocurrency. It's almost like let's say go back to Mark Zuckerberg here. Let's say we took him out of the equation and we turned Facebook over to the people, and we issued. Facebook coins or tokens, and that was how you had a, a say in running it. You were you were a, an investor essentially in the platform. So, a sort itself. of owner operated. Exactly. So, I can kind of see the benefit to that, especially yeah. if it's a small enough group where everyone is like minded or like minded enough. Um, but I can also think of all the co-op board stories, uh, horror stories I always <laughs> heard, or the Park Slope food co-op sure. uh, uh, a stereotype of a bunch of squabbling people fighting over whatever, or more broadly, Wikipedia. 
Yep. And now uh, Wikipedia works in lots of ways and also in many ways fails because it's a group of people who can't really decide on Correct. something. And so you get these weird bloodless descriptions of like the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, which are barely factual and don't really satisfy anybody. Right. Um, and this is one of the problems I had when talking with the civil guys. I'm like, I, I don't want my journalism, at, both as a consumer or as a producer, I don't, I don't want it as part of this co-op. I don't want someone telling me that I, I'm, my news is or isn't verified. I can take care of that on my own. Well, and I can deal with my audience on my own. Okay. that You say that as a journalist, yeah. but I think for lay people, we are learning that most of the population does not have the uh, digital literacy to know the difference between real news and fake news. Obviously, those are unlikely to be the people listening to this podcast. This podcast, or by the way, <laughs> people who are figuring out how to get their hands on cryptocurrency and transit, right? It's much, it's, Correct. it is more difficult than taking out your wallet and taking out actual cash Correct. or a credit card. Correct. But back to your original um, question, which uh -huh. I think was that you don't want anyone telling you what's verified or not verified. And I think that's the difference between Wikipedia. Wikipedia is a single place where, like, what you see on Wikipedia, there's only one entry, right, mm -hmm. for each thing. The idea is that there's this ecosystem of news sites. And maybe you want to read some of them and maybe others aren't your kind of thing. But you find what's for you. And niche is okay. They don't need to be massive. And, yeah. and you know, we're not trying to build another, like, New York Times on here. This is small and specific and quality, right? And what you're talking about, the squabbling thing, that that is the big question for this concept of a token curated registry, that you have people who are like, F that, I'm going to buy 51% of the tokens and control this whole thing. Right. And so— Or I've got a very specific problem with this specific podcast because they have this political bent that I hate. I'm voting them off. I'm yeah. buying my tokens. Here's where my tokens are. So this is— Okay, so you, you're getting deep into the crypto economics sort of um Oh, no, I don't want to go there. No, you do. It's okay. so interesting, Peter. So this is what Civil has decided is it will have a council. I really think of it as like Star Wars. Yeah. Um, it's like it's a new kind of galaxy that we're all going to be in. And but those are the worst council. Star All the Star Wars movies at the council are the worst ones. Okay, not those the council. The, George Lucas the ones. ones in the beginning when they're meeting and yeah. they're looking at if they just have like one penetrating shot, yeah. they'll blow up the whole yeah. thing. Think of it that way. So in this case, I think Princess Leia is Vivian Schiller. Vivian Schiller, former president, uh, CEO of NPR. Yeah. She was at Twitter, New York Times. She is the head of the council. And the idea being like, yeah, we can disagree about opinions, but facts and good ethical journalism are facts and good ethical journalism. And so she is pulling together this group that if it does come down to being squabbling like you're talking about, there will be an advisory board, a place that will set the standards, sort of like the Supreme Court. So we started off with the idea that everyone gets a vote and everyone gets a say and everyone's yeah. an owner and, and that has pluses and minuses too. All right, really these people are in charge. It's still a group. Um, so now we seem closer to the old model. Well, but then I you know there's always something. There's always more with civil. Yeah. They always have to like they've they've you thought can see of why everything. This is a tough hour they for have me. yes, totally. But they have thought. My experiences yeah. so far, they seem to have thought of everything. So there actually can be if the community decides to overrule the council, that is possible as well. Here was the main takeaway that made sense to me. Was the main advantage for hosting something, hosting media on a blockchain yeah. platform was, uh, and there's a group doing this with Civil that came out of the Gawker group, which is yes, if, if Peter Thiel sues Solaris. you out of existence, oh, the popular. There's a couple of oh, there's them. So there's so many a couple of them. Of them. <laughs> yeah. If 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 a billionaire sues you out of yes. existence because they don't like what you write, 
they can't take your stuff down. That's correct. Because it's the community operates it. Everyone's got different keys. It, it cannot be taken down. It's kind of outside the bounds of, of yep. theory, outside the bounds of, of conventional That's exactly right. Law. We'll see how that works in yeah. real life, but we'll, we'll but see. that's the idea. Yeah. So that part makes sense. The core part, the leaving aside the the weird council part, <laughs> yeah. trade tariffs, um, <laughs> uh, I still don't understand. I don't understand so many things. I don't understand how this fixes any of the economic problems that journalism faces, right? If right. it, um, By the way, you, your podcast yeah. has Casper ads and every other kind yes, of— Yes, we are a weird situation. Standard, right? Should Stand- I go into that? Like, well, we, we can, but, okay. but, 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 but it, you know, it, it looks like it's a standard journalism startup, right? right. You've got some advertising. Maybe yes. you're going to ask users, readers, listeners for money. Um, that all makes sense. They've already volunteered to give it to us, oddly. Great, I right? Know. So I, I just don't get how the blockchain fixes that right. or improves that. The only thing I can think is that there's just a lot of hype around blockchain and ICOs and crypto. And so you've got a lot of people investing in these things really because they're just interested in seeing if the, if the token appreciates. Not the worst idea yeah. to get people's money. And if, and if some of that money sloughs off and allows you to fund your operation, great. But I don't. I don't get how it, this fixes any of the. And this is again why I had a difficult hour with the plot with the civil guys. They said, "Well, this is going to this is going to solve uh, uh, local journalism's problems." And I kept thinking, I, "Local journalism's problems? They have a tiny market and not enough subscribers to to fund a very small operation." Yeah. I don't see how this fixes any of that. So the other thing, it, it really is kind of reminds me of like if you got into your covered wagon and you're yeah. like, "We're going west and we're going to look for gold." Like if there's gold. In the hills or wherever, then you could build a homestead, right? And if there's not, you're kind of screwed. That's what the token economies are that are launching is my sense. So I should tell you, like Vivian Schiller, the other thing that she's doing is she's going to be running the Civil Foundation, which is this idea that they will be making grants to newsrooms as well, giving people who can't buy into the token economy, they will fund them or, you know, whoever they, Great. whatever the process might be. I think totally. Facebook, by the way, should just be taxed and, and should oh, have to distribute. agreed. By the way, I told the Facebook people this and they, they, lo- they looked as if I was yeah, they don't high on multiple drugs yeah. and naked <laughs> and waving a spear like, like well, well, that doesn't make any sense. Are you friends with any journalists who've gone over to work for them? Sort of. Yeah, it's, it's interesting what happens, isn't it? Who knows? Yeah, it could happen to us, I guess. They're not a journalism platform. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. back to the idea. I mean, look, they don't—this is not the purpose of civil. They are very much uh, journalism-minded. But let's be clear. When you have a token sale, the idea is to raise money, right? So I think they may not put it this way, but the way I see it is there is enough uh, curiosity, um, excitement, hype, Maybe uh-huh. that this will create um, a fund. And this part is this part. There's a rough parallel to to the web, right? The boom of the late '90s. Lots of dumb companies got funded. Yep. Lots of interesting companies got funded. Yes. And a lot of them were being funded by people who were speculating because there was a dot com boom. And if you turned on CNBC, they were showing you the globe.com's IPO yeah. pop, and it was ridiculous. But th- there was real money, and if you could use it to build something. Go for it. Right. That's I mean, that's exactly right. But I think that what civil is trying and what we are being very careful to say to our listeners is like, don't do this because you think you're going to make a ton of money. I'm not doing it because I think I'm going to make a ton of money. The whole purpose of the token is not to have like an exit and a cash out, right? The purpose of it is to mow it back into the ecosystem. That's true. So it's to hold it long enough to buy a Lambo. 
Did I get that part? I just want a Subaru. I mean, (laughs) kidding. I don't want any car because I public transportation all the way. The collective idea. If you want a Subaru, I may have one to sell. Oh, really? (laughs) We should talk after. That's our lives, essentially. Um, I want to talk more about this. Okay. I want to take one more break so an advertiser can can help fund this conversation. (laughs) Yes. Today's show is brought to you by Darn Tough Vermont. They make socks. They make awesome socks. And you guys know that I love socks. That's why I'm in the podcast game. Darn Tough Vermont Socks is chosen by 30 seconds of my podcast so I can tell you how awesome their socks are. They believe an audience smart enough to listen to Recode Media must have discerning taste and a passion for quality products made without Russian interference. Darn Tough Vermont has been perfecting premium merino socks in Northfield, Vermont for nearly 40 years. They're so confident their socks will be the most comfortable, durable, best-fitting socks you'll ever own. They guarantee every single pair unconditionally for life. Those words are underlined and capitalized in my copy here, so you know they must be accurate. In order to track the effectiveness of this ad, they're offering you 20% off your first purchase at darntuff.com with the promo code MEDIA at checkout. That's darntuff.com. Use the code MEDIA. Today's show was brought to you by Zip Recruiter, the presenting sponsor of Recode Media and the smartest way to hire. If you run a tech company, you are probably used to running. You got to sprint through dev and testing cycles, scrambling to find investors, hurtling through regulatory reviews. Don't go too fast with those reviews. Do them right. When you're hiring, you don't want to waste time interviewing people who don't have all the skills and experience you need. You need a way to quickly identify the strongest, most qualified candidates. You need Zip Recruiter. Their powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes across its network to actively find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. It's so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Boom. So if you're hiring, it's time to get smart. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Peter, where you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That is a low risk price, the lowest risk price there is free. Don't waste another second. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Peter and start putting that technology to work for you. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Peter. We're back with Manish. Ben Kafka is in the background playing quietly on my phone. (laughs) Manish is judging him and me. I am not. Judging me a little bit. Um, Let's go back to blockchain for a second. You've launched a podcast in a media company. Yeah. On blockchain. Yeah. You're creating a podcast (laughs) about it. Yes. Um, How is not, I know the podcast is going well because I've been listening to it. It's great. Yeah. How how about the actual funding running of a, is it two people or have you hired It's two of us. No. Are you paying bills? We are paying bills. Yeah. We have not bankrupted ourselves. We're still speaking to each other. Awesome. We're actually having a lot of fun and creatively feeling satisfied. Is there a token sale yet? Have you? Have you? It's coming. Okay. That's what we're in a weird. So I should be clear uh, t- because one collective isn't enough for uh-huh. us. We are part of two collectives. So we are paying the bills in part because we are part of Radiotopia. So Roman Mars. Roman we had Mars. He's the best. Yeah. Roman Mars. Uh, when I went and said I have this weird idea, he's like, "Cool, do it." And um, brought us into the Radiotopia Collective. Where you should be. It's a good place to be. We're happy to be there. And that is why we do have advertising, in part also because podcasts are this old-school technology. It's the MP3 format. It's an RSS feed. It can't live on the blockchain yet. So when when you listen to ZigZag, you're hearing it 
old school tech, yeah. right? You but go the to rest Apple Podcasts, whatever, whatever exactly. distributor you like. Right. Until there's like, you know, civil podcasts. And you listen to it for free. Right, exactly. There's no, is there going to be a subscription version of this? I think there will be yeah. eventually. I'm, we're not sure what that will look like because I, I think what has happened to Jen and I is something rather unusual in that we are having to live in this moment right now, this summer. It is a grand social experiment that Civil is attempting. We are along for this ride. And until the token sale happens, which is imminent, uh, we won't know what our budget looks so like. So are you selling tokens specific to Stable Genius slash ZigZag, or is it part of Civil's token We sale? were given a grant that was half regular money, half okay. tokens. So we have to see what those tokens are worth. But but the token sale, yes. it's a civil token sale? It's a sale? civil so token, civil, correct. the platform, is going to sell. Civil, the platform. Is going to say exactly. we're selling X amount. Have they, they say— hundred million. hundred million coins or hundred million dollars? Coins. So, and what, what, what's the thought about how much money that's going to raise? Depends what the market price. What's the range? I have no idea. You like, I've asked. Yeah. Uh, they refuse to give me a specific answer. Okay. So I, I don't know. If they're selling 100 million coins? Yes. They're going to reasonably assume those coins are going to sell for more than a dollar? I think so. Okay, so we're talking about hundreds of millions into the billions, potentially. Maybe. It's crypto world. It's the summer of 2018. Anything could happen. Anything could happen. Um, <laughs> but it is, not, it is no longer weird to have uh, token sales that range above a billion dollars. Correct. Um, again, there's a whole, many of these ICOs, right? That's a token sale. This is an IPO using cryptocurrency. Yeah, um, this many is not of these, an ICO because there is not a securities element to it. But whole yes. discussion about what's a yeah, security, yeah, what yeah, isn't, blah, 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 blah. and it's mind blowing. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. there's people who are like going and in, in camping out outside the U.S. So they're not. They think they're free of U.S. Oh, regulation. I didn't even know that. That's interesting. There's a really interesting woman I talked to that you should talk to about okay. all this stuff. Now she works at Andreessen. Um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course, because she, she <laughs> That's hilarious. She was, she was a DOJ, uh, like, crypto specialist. Oh. Then she was a lecturer. Um, and then she went off the grid. Now she's with now Andreessen. She's back on. That's yeah. amazing. Now she's back on. <laughs> um, but the point is, uh, theoretically, there could be just a giant pile of money to divide between you and how, how many other civil... Well, we don't have all of the coins. Yeah, no, no. We, between yeah, yeah. you and how many other civil media startups are there? There are about 20 of us. 20 of you. Yeah. You won't get all of it. So oh, no, no, could, no. But, we, but there's a in ton In theory, a ton is, of money could rain down uh, on your startup. Nah, maybe not a ton, but enough that we a could, lot. like, make another podcast and maybe hire some people. And will and you just get a lump sum saying, well, you, you're— No, you, we, we'd have to decide what, whether we would— sell the tokens or not. I mean, maybe we decide not to, you know? I don't know. It depends how this whole thing flies. It's an extremely weird, weird situation to be in. that's going to happen sometime this summer, sometime after you listen to this podcast. Pretty soon. Which is this week, but yeah. Yes. Okay, so are you prepping for this? No. You're just going ahead and doing your thing and then then some money may show up or not show up. Yeah, I mean, right now, like, honestly, I think that's we're two moms who are trying to get their kids off to camp every morning and trying to pay the, like, you know, co-working space bill yeah. and killing ourselves editing this podcast that we want to be the best thing that we have ever made in our lives. And if we can get those things done, if these tokens work out, amazing. But I'm not holding my breath for that. However, you know what I'm really psyched about? Owning my work. That part's cool. That part's really cool. And that is the key thing with Radiotopia and Civil is that anybody who makes anything for those uh, collectives owns their intellectual property. Let's talk about starting your own company. 
Yeah. You you do not fit the conventional startup profile. No. You're a woman. Yeah. You're not a Stanford grad. No. <laughs> okay. Um, you're not a 20-something? No. How could you tell, Peter? I actually Googled. Um, <laughs> you can Google Manusha's age. She can tell you. I'll tell um, you. I'm 45. You're 45. Mm-hmm. So I'm all for people doing startups. That's great. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons a stereotypical startup person is a young dude in their 20s who could go to Stanford or Harvard but decided not to is that's the kind of person with the optionality, right? The sure. financial flexibility. They're generally upper middle class people who either don't need to worry about money to begin with or don't need to have much money because they can live yep. like a ramen person. Um, but you have kids <laughs> and rent or mortgage and you live in yeah. Brooklyn. It's not cheap to live no, in Brooklyn. All that. Um how do you decide, yeah, I want to do this thing that really doesn't have a safety net? Um, well, part of it is that you feel propelled by something beyond you. Like, literally, I've never had that feeling before. Well, once I had it, when I quit my job at the BBC uh, 15 years ago. And at that point, I was like, I'm never working for a media company again. And then I did. Yeah. And I went back to work for WNYC, which was a wonderful experience. But the... this I don't know. Like, I've heard other entrepreneurs describe it. It is like a freaking fire that sets in you and there's you really feel like i must surrender you know um did you think about all right i want to go and do my own thing why don't i go talk to vcs the way everyone else is um, supposed to do it we did do that and then we i think that's episode four um but i think the the key thing was what i have been doing which was on note to self looking at why uh the sort of business models of all these tech companies have gotten to the point where they have to take advantage of their consumers and i think vc money is a big issue with that um because because you are not making your technology for your consumers you're making it for the shareholders make it the shareholders who by the way not only want to return but if it's a VC, the expectation is you're going to give me 10x. If, if things I work out well. I went to see a VC well, who's like, oh, no, at the stage you're at, we want 100x. And I was like, well, there is no way that we can stick to our principles and our mission. And, and our company does have a mission and do that. It's just not possible. Because the things that would require that kind of growth are going to require ethical compromises or worse. Shortcuts. Yeah. Lots of shortcuts. And what we're making is not about shortcuts. It takes time. It takes research. It takes uh, investigations. So I, th- I think the key thing that I want to continue doing, which I sort of, I'm going to use the word pioneered, um, with Note to Self is we would take uh, sort of a thesis and we would test it by having listeners, tens of thousands of listeners, um, join in like a week-long study that we would do with them super fun, where they would change their digital habits and report back. And the feedback that I got from academics, from technologists, from designers was, oh, you're basically like beta testing all of this and you're doing research in a way that is not being done in other places. And so- Note, note to self was, was sort of a themed podcast mm-hmm. around sort of digital life and what, right. what using personal technology does and doesn't do for us. Right. The, uh, the pros and cons. Yeah. And you spend a lot of time saying, hey, why don't you turn off your device for X amount of time and report back. Right. And 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 to be clear, you know, it wasn't just like, turn off your phone. It was like- phones 
are wonderful. I love my phone. It was do it in this very specific way. Here are the reasons why. Like I actually wrote an entire book based on it. It's called Bored and Brilliant. And it was about uh, this one week that we did with 20,000 listeners where every day we explained a design concept or a tech concept um, and how that – what the field of informatics is, computer-human interaction. And then we asked them to try something very simple that day. And we didn't expect it to necessarily work. It was an experiment. And then they would report back on what did and didn't work. Try try thinking about the way you use personal technology in a different lens and, and th- be thoughtful and mindful right. about these devices and, and the fact that you control them, they shouldn't control you. And if they are, maybe you should be thinking. Right. And you were, you were early on an idea that yes. is— has has gotten it's much totally more mainstream, mainstream now. It's weird. Yeah, I want to talk about how mainstream it is or isn't, <laughs> but definitely like it has resonance now, at least yes. in the, the media discussion, right? And the Facebook stuff has really brought it to the fore. Yeah. Um, and now you see stories like uh, Nellie Bowles, The Times, right? Like, oh, yeah, here's how great. here's how grayscale works. And if you make your if you if you go through these hoops to make your phone less interesting, it'll make your life right. better, which is again confusing to me. Like, why can't you just put it in your pocket? Well, that's. That's that was what I thought. And yeah. then I started to be like, why can't I just put it in my pocket? Oh, and then I started to understand, the, the you know. Bright colors. Yeah, and all the way and this. what the business models are. And like I think for me, as someone who was not into tech, starting to sort of break it apart, um, it was fascinating. It was a weird interdisciplinary mix of neuroscience and economics and um, personal psychology and and graphic design and all of those things mushed together to create create these amazing experiences that also, like, I know that people are like, tech isn't inherently good or bad. Well, actually, sometimes it's good and sometimes it is bad. So let's just, let's let's tease that apart because we want more of the good stuff. Let's think about how you can use a hammer appropriately and inappropriately. <laughs> exactly. Um, it, it does make me think a little bit when I read these discussions. It, it does make me sort of think about, like, I don't know, uh, organic food. Mm. Right. So mm-hmm. when you say it's mainstream, right, it's mainstream within some people, a yeah. group of people sure. that you and I know. Yes. And a lot of the people work in the media. And so it sort of gives you the sense that this is a broader discussion. Right. I, I would assume that most of the country and most phone and, and technology users aren't thinking about this stuff at all. doesn't mean we shouldn't be doing it. Right. But we got to start somewhere. Yeah. But also we have the ability and the luxury to sort sure. of grapple with these things. I just showed you my phone before the the break ended. And you I was all took proud. Twitter I off. Took Twitter off. It's kind of my, my summer thing. I, I still use Twitter, it's awesome. but I take it off my phone. It's great. That's um, one of the things that we had people do. It makes me happier that it's not on my phone. There you go. I, there's more hoops. And I still have, I have to use it professionally. Right. And by the way, I like Twitter, but um, there's a lot of Twitter use but that, that makes me unhappy. It's like a little life hack. You like have to sit down in front of your computer and yeah. you probably only do it for 20 minutes instead of checking it all day long. And the net effect is more happiness. Yeah, I mean, it's a win. Yeah, I can't be too proud of myself. I'm still. I've got the phone in my pocket. I'm gonna freaking Apple, yeah, 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 Apple Watch. Um, but but you know, I'm still using my phone probably as much. It's just instead of going to Twitter, I'm now hanging out on Facebook, which is way and less. Don't do that. Which well, is way less interesting, frankly. Yeah. Facebook's in a weird spot. Or in, there's I'm, Wait, I'm really? doing other. I think so I've never had a personal Facebook profile. Yeah. Ever. I've met a couple people like you. Yeah, it always seems we're weird, right? Yeah, but it seems like people who are like are vegans or like, <laughs> yeah, I know guys who like I don't enjoy sports. I will never talk about them, and and to the point where I won't even make oh. small talk about it. Oh. Well, mine is because I think people are afraid of death, but we don't have to go into that. So I'm it's afraid a, of death. Yeah. Um. No. Anyway, my, sorry, I, I threw just, you I off. Just, I just <laughs> fell off the table. 
Um, where do you think, so we just spent a year sort of thinking and talking about Facebook and should mm. Facebook be fixed and who will fix Facebook and does Mark Zuckerberg need to be fired and who's going to be punished? I have more than a sneaking suspicion that Facebook is going to kind of keep motoring along yeah, the way it is. Sure. It's utility. It is, I don't think their share of advertising dollars is going down. No. Um, it's possible that their usage actually I mean, it's, I think that is their big worry is that enough of this public discussion happens that people have an overall negative impression of Facebook and they spend a little less time there and a little more time somewhere else. Have you seen the ads on the subway, by Those the way? Are, yeah. They're really weird. They're weird. I saw them in Chicago first and now they now they've now they you see them. There's video ads. And by the way, Facebook sometimes sponsors this podcast. Oh. Um Hello. it's no, it's funny. They they have a it's a very weird ad saying Facebook is no stranger to oh, controversy. Something, something. You can learn more. It was very strange. Uh, yeah. 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 I love that we're yeah. talking about your ads on your show about Super media. This meta. is like I don't read I'm those such ads a too. Dork that this is like my happy moment for today, by the way. I'm happy to please. Um what are we talking about? I don't know. I this, just this, this I feel like you and I, this is where I pour you another drink, except that we're it's too early for that. It's my iced coffee. Um, so this, you're halfway through the podcast. Your podcast. Yes. Mm-hmm. What, what are we going to learn the rest of the way through? We don't Ooh. know because you're doing it in real time, right? Yes, but I will tell you this. We will find out whether this token thing flies. That is what's going to happen. If it fly, Again, if it flies, you're not going to show up in a Lambo the next time I see you. I promise you that will not Will you happen. hire more people? Yes. Yeah. And we will try to build the ethical media company of our dreams. Our goal with our production company is to make media that helps people navigate personal and global change. That all sounds good. What have yep. you learned about running a media company? It's a two-person media company, so it's <laughs> very little. you and a partner who we were already <laughs> working together already. Yes. Still, it's different than having an employer. Oh, well, it's different. Check. No doubt. Um, the partner thing is, that is real. Like being able to be with someone who gets your shorthand, that is no joke. I mean, I see these people who have like been matched to start a company. That blows my mind. I am looking for a technical co-founder. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the difference is that like we are making something very creative and um, that's been a renegotiation of our roles, which has been really interesting. Um, So, but, but good, but very good. Um, for now, I mean, I'm sure she's going to want to kill me soon, and I'll want to kill her. And what do you think about being a boss? Because at some point, if the goes well, like you're going to hire boss. people. So how, how's that going to work? I'm terrified about that. Part of the reason I became a reporter, uh, I was one of the youngest people to run the BBC's New York Bureau after 9-11, and I just hated being a manager. I just, well, I was 27 years old. I didn't know what I was doing, and no one trained me. So I was like, you know what? F it. I'm going to be a reporter. Yeah. You don't have to deal with that stuff. Um, that's why I became a reporter. So the thought of uh, managing a lot of people does not excite me. However, if it's for the good of a company that I'm building, I think I'll feel differently. And I, I want to find ways to invest staff um, in what we're making in ways that I have not seen them incentivized at other places where I've worked. That sounds good. So it you're, you're right? kind of looking forward to it with apprehension. Correct. That's pretty much my life. Undergirded right by there. a sense of mission. Yes. That, you, that is my How life. How about that? That's my Instagram like, oh, we bio. We be better than that. But all right. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. Um, you got a podcast recommendation for us besides our podcast, which you were going to ask besides that. yours? I do listen to yours. Um, I haven't listened to it yet, but I've heard that Angry Feminist is good. Okay. I, can I tell you a secret? I don't know if you agree with this, just but most us? people, yeah, just between us. Uh, most people who make podcasts don't listen to podcasts and 
they will. No. Yes. How can that be? They won't tell you because it sounds counterintuitive. Why would you do it though? Because here's the thing. I am a mimic. If I listen to too many things that other people are making, it will seep oh, into I, the thing that I'm making. I get that. I just don't understand why you would make this product if you didn't. No, no, like but like when product. I'm in the midst of like really like hardcore creative producing and making a show that I want to sound like nothing else out there, I can't listen to other things. Wait, okay. you still want me to make a recommendation, but you also want me to wrap up. I can read no, your no, no, no. body language. I have Call Your Girlfriend on yep. here. I've unchained Laura Shin, if you want to get crypto crazy. Okay, she's we'll badass. do that. We've had Amina on before. Um, Laura Shin is unchained. She yep. was at Forbes, and she's like, now she's all crypto all the time. Um, that's all one I One is good. That's one okay. is good. Cool. I want to listen to Hysteria, but I haven't listened to it yet from the Crooked People. Yeah, I can do one Crooked podcast yeah it's kind of yeah yeah I they're, to, they're I an interesting to, model i need to branch out i need fewer what white are you listening dudes. to i'm a comedy nerd oh you're so. a comedy nerd yeah improv for humans oh. is my laugh out loud really oh yeah oh i'm gonna go check that it's out. the uh one of the co-founders of the upright citizens brigade oh, yeah, matt yeah. besser yes and it turns out that improv comedy works really well in podcast form really yeah which you wouldn't think no they're real, they have genius. Oh, I gotta listen to that. What's it, it called again? Improv for humans. Okay. Um, it's like fantastic. That. That Maybe is, I could do improv for machines and just try to like yeah get all our devices metal to say machine you know dumb okay. shit. Yeah. All right, now this is this is the part where we just sort of tail off. Oh right, It's great. Yeah. It's great. Um, <laughs> I don't think that I have a deep understanding of blockchain. That's after fine. this podcast, but it's I, okay. I, I appreciate your enthusiasm. But do you feel intrigued, and do you think that it's something that you want to watch and maybe learn more about, maybe even see if it works? I am. Look, if this funds in any sustainable way more interesting media companies, great. Full stop. That's what I feel That's like. all in the end. Exactly. Um, I don't think I want to work at a platform run by a community or a council. I would love a community input. I love your input, podcast listeners. But you could come work for us. We don't work for them, right? Yeah, but I'm like working for Vox Media. Oh, no, if obviously. Bankoff's listening to this Yeah, podcast. no, I have total lady crush on Kara Swisher, by the way. Um, who doesn't have right? a lady crush yeah. on Kara Swisher? Um, hi, Kara. Okay. That's Manushi's, uh water bottle? Yeah, sorry. That's Ben? No, that's fine. It's good. Um, it's kind of a loose and easy summer podcast. Thanks, Manoush. This is great. <laughs> Peter, it was super fun. Thanks for having me. Thanks to you guys for listening. Before we go, one more time, tell someone else about this show. Um, you know how to do that. You are smart. Thanks to our sponsors. Thanks to Cadence 13 and Vox Media, who sell those ads so you can listen to Recode Media for free. Thanks to Joel Robbie, who edits this show, and to my producers, Golda Arthur and Eric Johnson. Also, thanks to Benjamin Kafka, who has sat there quietly. Ben, can you hear yeah, me? Yeah, you rock, Ben. Come on up, Ben. You want to use Manisha's microphone yeah. for a second? Say hi. Hello. Hello, Ben. What, what are you doing here today? Shouldn't you be in school? School's over. All right. What do you do in the summer? Camp. What camp? Um, I'm supposed to be going to Camp Half-Blood, but the doctors say I need 24 hours Wait, no my symptoms. kid's there. Which group are you in? Uh, I'm in Apollo this year. It's a sword fighting camp. Basically. It's, it's an awesome camp. Uh, and basically all podcasters and other media people, John Peretti's kids were, were in there Ben's recently. kids are there. <laughs> Everyone's kids are at Camp Half-Blood. So um, if you would like to go hang out with some media people, go to pick up or drop off. Don't tell them. <laughs> no, no, don't, don't go there. Okay, Ben. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Did you learn about Manusha's podcast? What's your dad like at home? Um. Oh yeah. Depends. Is he grouchy or funny? Depends. Depends. 
Does he like? Does then you look extraordinarily uncomfortable right now. <laughs> Mostly, he just sits on his bed and plays Fortnite. Oh, damn! Sometimes I sit on the couch and play Fortnite, though, right? Okay, we're gonna leave the podcast there. Good job, Ben. This is Recode Media. I'll see you next week. Today's show is brought to you by Zip Recruiter, the presenting sponsor of Recode Media and the smartest way to hire. Hiring is not most people's idea of fun. It can be exhausting. It's not easy. You know what? It's not supposed to be. If you aren't having tough conversations to make sure you get the right person for the job, you're not doing it right. But how can you stay focused on finding the most qualified candidates? I'll tell you. Zip Recruiter. Their powerful matching technology scans millions of resumes across its network to actively find people with the right experience and invites them to apply for your job. And as applications come in, it spotlights the top candidates to save you time and make sure you never miss a great match. It's so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. So if you're hiring, it's time to get smart. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Peter right now where you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That is the lowest risk price there is. Don't waste another second. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Peter and start putting the technology to work for you. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Peter. Peter.